0: Welcome to The Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome
1: back to another episode of The Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of The Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. And today we are beyond fortunate to be welcoming back my great friend, John Denny, who previously joined us here on the Athletics of Business podcast all the way back on episode number 86. And obviously, so many things have changed in our world, in his world. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to episode number 86, two things. Number one, I highly recommend, I urge you, encourage you, urge you to go back and do so. It was just an incredible conversation with John. And number two, let me give you a little bit of background then if you're not familiar with John Denny. John has been a national executive sales and marketing recruiter for over twenty-four plus years in the pharmaceutical, biotech, med device, and med diagnostics industries with leading national recruitment firm Buckman Enox Costs and Associates, otherwise known as BEC Search. An amazing, amazing group of people doing incredible work for the last two decades. John has just helped countless individuals in healthcare sales, marketing, clinical roles find opportunities that have been life-changing, and he's helped several current clients early on in their careers, and it's a reflection of his commitment to building genuine, authentic relationships. And now a little bit more about BETC, they were established in 1979, and they specialized in helping the best healthcare and life science companies find the right people for every level of their organization, commercial human affairs, sales and marketing executives for both projects and retained searches. They have partnered with some amazing companies. Uh, many of which you have heard about: Allergan, AbbVie, Iodesics, Amgen, Pelis, Cardinal Health, and Anentech, Lanthius, Chionogi, Supernus Pharmaceuticals, Takeda, Trevere Therapeutics, Virtos Medical, and, and, and many others. I mean, that's the list goes on, but I just wanted to give you an idea of the impact that John and the team at Buckman Enox, Enox Costs and Associates have had on people and you'll see inside of this episode, you'll hear inside this episode, that human connection and face-to-face contact remain important in business, specifically in leadership and sales roles. We'll talk into the crucial role of preparation in the recruiting process for both the candidate and recruiter. We're going to talk about the reasons people leave their jobs, how they often relate to issues with management or a lack of personal development opportunities. And A really fun piece of the conversation when John shares some great stuff here is when we talk about understanding a candidate's story and motivation and how that can provide valuable insights into their suitability for a role and to their potential for success. And if you know one thing about John Denny, know this. He is a transformational leader. And we talk about a transformational approach in recruitment, focusing on changing lives rather than just making transactions and how that can lead to greater success. Now, I could go on and on. I'm going to step aside and let you listen to this, and I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with John Denny just half as much as I did recording it. John, welcome back to the Athletics of Business podcast. It is so good to see you again, my friend.
0: You too, Ed. Great to to be on this again. I appreciate it. It's been a while. A while is an understatement. It was
1: episode (laughs) number 86, and it was all the way back July 15, 2020, which seems like an absolute lifetime ago,
0: doesn't it? Lifetime ago, lots of uh, obviously things happening with uh, the good pandemic or, or as we know as COVID. You know, it's three years later. My son graduated high school that year. Yes. Uh, he is now uh, in his senior year at University of Cincinnati. So it's, it's wild. That's, yeah.
1: That really is. Uh, that's kind of mind blowing. I mean, that's actually like a sign that we are getting older, not old, but older because older. those years seem like they just flew by. But as a dad having a son, all of a sudden come out of the pandemic. Now he's a senior in college, and all the amazing things that have happened at BEC. I mean, what's your world like now compared to what it was like back then?
0: Yeah, I tell you, you know, not, not including the family, you know, it, it's been great with kind of helping guide my son and not trying to be the recruiter dad, uh, which it's hard not to do that when you're a recruiter as you're, as you're living, but just guidance and, you know, understanding that your first job is your foundation to get to the next job. It's very, you know, with, with my son Jack and, and talking with them, you know, I, I think the idea a lot of people think you got out of college and you're instantly in your, your career forever and you're there for 35 years. Uh, it's just not not that way, especially if you take a, a role in maybe marketing or sales or business. Uh, and yeah, a lot, lot's changed. I mean, the, the firm, we are um, doing really well. We had a, a knockout year last year, probably a fantastic year. We worked with, you know, specific clients, Lantheus. Takeda with, with Mark Hiderspock, who's been on the podcast with the neuromuscular build out. We've worked on several projects that have been 20 plus in terms of representatives in the field. Uh, we worked in leadership and finding great talent um, for leadership, which I love. I mean, that's, that's right up my, uh, you know, my alley in terms of the, the wheelhouse of what we we work in and, and really leaders and, and what you do as a business as well, Ed. But yeah, three, three, four years later, it's, you know, it's it's amazing. I think we're doing a lot of things with clients that we haven't done initially. Um, you know, I think if you ask any client out there interviewing, they're probably doing what we're doing on a Zoom, uh, on a Teams meeting, hybrid. Some are also doing a hybrid situation, virtual. Then they're meeting them in person. And I think pe- things are getting back to, to normal. It's uh, you can feel it. You know, in the in the uh, industry right. as well.
1: Question for you: As you know, things pop yeah. in my head as we do this recording. Have you noticed more swings and misses since it's been a virtual world in recruiting? In other words, you're you're not in person. You can't read the body language. there's a different thing. You don't really get the whole vibe. Or is it been pretty efficient?
0: That's a really good question. And that would be probably talking to folks like a Suzanne Monahan. or I personally, I think it's inevitable that you have to have that human touch. i, I And I think it's really important for roles. And leadership and sales. I think, you know, that's definitely you, you. And I had this discussion this morning at a breakfast. I think the good things you get a lot of things done quickly. It's probably less cost, you know, than flying someone to a headquarters or flying to a city to do an interview process. But at the end of the day, if you ask any leader that's probably been in the industry for 20 years, 20 plus, they want to meet people. I do think that once you meet someone, you see body language, you can feel the are, are the genuine. And I think one of your terms, you know, authenticity that I, I know you're we always talk about, but you can get a lot done. I, I think what I would say that where I see a lot of our clients is it's a hybrid approach approach where it's virtual for the initial. Hey, getting to know that person one on one, you know, walking through their resume, walking through their background. And then when you get deeper and you get into more of the nuts and bolts of the job, that I think there's that face-to-face contact that has to happen. You know, it may be different for accounting and finance. It might be different for different roles outside of what we do and in, in life sciences. But I still think the human contact and, and, and folks want to be a part of that. I mean, if you talk to folks right now, they're going back to the conferences, they're meeting people. We were at the um, ASN, the kidney week. So um, Ted and I, Ted Koss and I, back, gosh, back in, in November just a little bit ago, and um, it was great. I think there's energy with that. So, anyway, I answered that really long, but there you go. No, oh,
1: and it's perfect because it leads into my next question. You mentioned earlier projects, and I want to get get into that the project work you do because it's so fascinating. And you are a direct recruiting business model. What's that process like, and and what is that with, and what are you looking for in those candidates?
0: Well, and, and that's a great question. And, you know what what we do and, and where. Um, you know, if we look at our history, we've been around uh, for 45 years. Actually, this year, 2024, will be 45 years the company's been wow. in, in, established. Um, Ted's been in it for 30. I'm hitting my 25th year, January 5th. I have a, I, I know the date too. When it's I got the anniversary. Hired. Yeah, 25. there we go. 25. What are we doing to celebrate? Well, we got to do something. I'm coming to Chicago instead of Columbus. How about that? We'll do that. That's fine. Um, Bring your snow about gear. It? Uh, exactly. It's not it's not warm right now this time of year. Yeah, twenty-five years. It's amazing. And um uh, had a lot of more hair when I first started too, by the way. It's gone to the chin now. It's gone this way. But the um, you know, really direct recruiting. We started a model of contingency recruitment, which we still will do, but it's headhunting. It's the old school, knuckle to knuckle, what I would say head hunting, finding people for jobs rather than jobs for people. And when you say that it sounds kind of cold and but we really look for the right fit. So if a client says, hey, I need this leader with five years of leadership in the hospital um, that's dealt with anti-infectives. And I'm also looking for someone that might have previous experience you know, in business to business sales. We're going to go out there and find that. And, and that's a lot different than, um, you know, particularly if you think of an RPO model, uh, recruiting process outsourcing, where they're just posting a the position. They're seeing Who applies and those recruiters, which a lot of times are are not as experienced as myself and others in my team, they'll make an assessment and then send that person across. Uh, What you get are a lot of the people that are active on the market. There's some great people out there that are active, but you're not maybe sourcing the direct candidate that has their head down. They're doing great in their job and they're like, "Hey, I'm doing great, John. You know, I I appreciate your call." Uh, And if we we think about clients even that I work with that I placed as reps, uh, there are a number of them that I reached out to, and they said, John, I'm not interested right now. But we kept in touch. So I think the the part of what we do too is also it's relationship-driven. Having these deep relationships, I had this breakfast this morning. And I met this gentleman um, probably 20 years ago when he was first starting out from business to business sales to break in the industry. And I always think about, can I connect someone to an opportunity, to someone that they can get to someplace else? I, I think about it when I was you know, Graduating college, I, I thought I was going to be a professor Ed. I, thought I was going to do art and graphic design. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and I figured out real quickly I was a poor extrovert. I was a social chairman of my fraternity for three years. Uh, I love being out there talking to people and helping people. And I, I got into college recruiting. That's what got me into what I do now uh, years ago, the foundation. So, anyway another long answer, but yeah. I, and
1: I love, I love the concept of, you know, with consistency, you're finding people for jobs, right? In direct, you're finding jobs for the people and, and, and the right people. Let me ask you this. You'd mentioned that you reach out to people who are doing well in their jobs. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes people leave the jobs that they are in? They might be, might be happy. Things could be going well. Things could be okay. Is it what they see or don't see down the road? Is it management? Is it, uh, the product is kind of the count what what are the most common reasons people leave their jobs?
0: Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of articles about this too. You know, a lot of folks would say your manager, your supervisors, why you would leave a role if you clash with that person, that individual. But there's a lot of times where people leave because they want to grow in their career. They they feel like maybe they're they're static. Uh they fit kind of the top of where they can go in that specific organization. Um, maybe there's not a lot of avenues for growth within you know, personal development. And I know that you deal with that, you know, in your, in your coaching. Um, but personal development, it, it's not always tied into financial. You know, I think I'd always say to, to people, you you think about career, you leave a career because you're looking for a better opportunity career wise for growth and financial growth. Those are the two areas. Uh, and I mentioned this back three years ago in July, it used to be, I thought it was all about money money is important for salespeople. That's why we're wired this way. But I also think that we've been able to place individuals where it might be a lateral move financially. There's something there why people want to go south. So why do people leave? I think it's a combination. It's not only maybe a clash. I tend to think it's more of they just feel static in their career. There's not as much opportunity for career growth. It's not always the financial component. And I see that more in other roles outside of sales, but sales, I think money is a part of that equation. If we had a a pie chart, we probably could map it out and figure it out and do a survey and all those things. But really, I think career aspirations to do more than what they're doing now. So, if somebody's a field sales rep and they know they want to be a trainer and maybe they don't have the opportunity to do that there, maybe it's a small organization or maybe it's a very large big pharma or organization and they don't have an avenue to go. I love talking to people in that. That want to get to a smaller company like a Shinogi, for example, that want to make that move, make that transition, if they have the right background.
1: So, speaking of Shinogi, uh, and you mentioned Suzanne earlier, Suzanne Monahan was on the podcast, episode one sixty four and episode number one eighty, with her amazing husband Matt, who is going to be on solo. And Matt and I are quite nervous that we can't carry the episode without Suzanne because she's so incredible. (laughs) So we're going to see how that goes, right? But one of the many things that I respect about you is. How you build these relationships and how much you get to know the other person. So in other words, when, and that's why I led the lead, asked the leading question, why do people leave? You understand what kind of makes people tick and what they're looking for. And you can see whether or not they're getting that fulfillment in their current role, knowing what's there down the road. My point is this, you're prepared. You do your work, right? You do your research. Mm -hmm. You have the conversations. How significant is preparation? It's one of our five fundamentals of coaching, but how significant is preparation in this entire process for you, for the candidate, and also for the client.
0: Really good question, Ed. Preparation, if we, if we take it from a recruiter you know dealing with a client company, for example, Shinogi or Lantheus or someone else, I want to know all I about their, their product, um, who they compete with, who their CEO is, who are the people that have come to the organization' the leadership. You know, I'll do a lot of research. Um, I also may talk to somebody that might know someone there and do that. You know, preparation is, and I think we get this from, you know, even growing up and in your, in your family and, hey, go to school, you got to do these things and um, you got to brush your teeth, you got to, you know, all those things. But preparation in the, in the industry, it's very, very important for a recruiter like me, but also then to know the candidates and figure out the camp to understand, do they match up to what that hiring authority needs and wants? There's the opportunity and there's a lot of different things that we look for. But preparation for Canada, candidate, I just had this conversation too. I've been talking, this is crazy, Ed. In the last probably month, I've talked to a lot of folks. This is the time of year that you get the calls as a recruiter. You're like, here we go again. It's the end of the year. A lot of people go, hey, I want to do something in the new year. It's the self. Just like I want to I work out more. I want to run more. I want to do all these things. Maybe eat better. These are things that people start thinking about this time of year. And I've talked to folks that have been VPs of sales. I've talked to folks that have been second-line leaders, first-line leaders. And then I have a lot of coaching folks like my son that are seniors in college that, I mean, it's crazy to me, there needs to be, and maybe there is. But it seems like a lot of these schools don't have a class where it teaches them kind of the foundation, you know, and the how to prepare preparation, right? How to prepare to get the job out of college, mm-hmm. what things you need to do, so forth. So I think in, in our world as a recruiter, being an executive recruiter, I'll tell you, I, you you don't go to school to be a recruiter. You learn all these things, but preparation is is extremely important. I, I've learned it through all the years that I've done it too, and in, in not being prepared and in trying to wing it. And you've got to you know make sure you research that company as a, as a kid coming out of college. I don't know if a lot of kids know about you know as much about LinkedIn and how important that is. Make your profile, make your brand. There's leaders to deal with that don't have a LinkedIn profile too. So you've got the opposite end as well, but preparation, I, I think just like in sports uh, and like every day, it's really important. Let me ask you this.
1: What is it about BEC that sets you apart? What is, I know the answer to that, but I want to listen to the answer because I think it's, it's really cool the way you all operate and how cohesive you are and how you're on the same page. Now here I go answering your question for you, but what is it in your eyes that are, is the intangible or intangibles that sets you apart from everybody else?
0: Yeah, the intangibles, Boy, We've got a great group. That is our team. Our, our team, and I, I, I really, you know, we're close. We've been in the trenches. We've done a lot of work together. We've worked on many projects. These are folks that you have trust in, you can count on. They come through. I think the work ethic and drive, uh, and I think I mentioned this before, I don't know if it's, a, if it's an Ohio thing or what, but I, I think that we, um, a lot of us that grew up where you, you grew up, you know, working hard, no shortcuts in life. Coming through for your your clients. That's what we end up doing. But we have ex- a lot of experience. I mean, we have Ted talks thirty years. Myself coming up on twenty five. Kirsten Siegel who does a lot in the biotech industry. You know, twenty years. And then all the way down, we have you know Brooke just hit her four year mark. Uh, a lot of the folks too on our team have played college athletics, which is an interesting. Uh, have been competitive by nature. Love to win, hate to lose. So I think some of those intangibles, the character, integrity. Common values I think work ethic that we' are we're going to get it done if we've got to be here on Saturday at ten o'clock at night for a deadline we, we come through for our clients and I, I think that that's the part uh, the other thing that uh, we talked touched on a little bit uh, before is direct recruiting. We really know our craft, know how to approach a client, uh, finding out their needs, you know what they're looking for, identifying talent and accessing that talent you know Getting a hold of that talent and then reeling them over and then helping fit transition and and I think also have an empathy for everyone, have an empathy for the client, have an empathy for the candidate, knowing that you know there's a lot of things that go into this when you take a job. There's an emotional roller coaster. That's one of the the parts of recruiting that we deal with as recruiters, but I mean candidates deal with that. It's a pretty big deal when you change jobs. There's all of that. And that we, we talked about
1: people. that. You know, you shared a story in the last in the last episode about the awards banquet. And a former client of yours came up and said, John, you, you need to understand you changed my life. And that's yeah. when it went from a transactional business to you to a transformational business, right? Right. And how have you seen over the 25 years, how have you seen the impact the transformational mindset and transformational approach has had on your success as well as the success at, at BNC?
0: Oh, it's big. I I think um, there are a number of uh, examples out there. Um, You know, Suzanne is somebody. Suzanne Monahan, somebody that I met through a friend I went to college with that worked for Suzanne. That's how we first got introduced. Uh, I think about Amanda Morgan, who's the VP of Commercial for Lantheus. I helped Amanda back in the day in Chicago. Actually, placed her with Baxter Healthcare, uh, which became Baxter, which became other companies. These are that you get to really know. You know well, you get to know about their family, their situation, their aspirations, what's important to them and, and not only in life but you know career, what makes a great team from what they give you and um so it it does become more of a i guess a mission that we're we're helping others that the transformative part is that, yeah, when I was young, I think you're thinking I go into recruiting and you can make you know decent money on what you do. But we really, I mean, I think if you ask folks around here, we really love helping out clients that, you know, we'll have clients for a lifetime, you know, and sometimes we work with that. We've worked with for 15, 20, you know, 25 years.
1: Well, and that's where, you know, where I was going with that is to me, when you are a transformational leader, transformational in your aspect, recruiter, it's more sustainable and there's more Mm -hmm. substance and there's more character involved, and the loyalty factor is huge as individuals' careers evolve and they go from sales to a frontline leader in the biotech space to a second line leader to that loyalty is going to stay there. They're going to remember what you did for them along the way. And I have to believe that that's helped the business grow tenfold and not just, not just in bottom line, but in the reward, like the emotional reward, the satisfaction of knowing the impact that you're having on not just their lives, the lives of the people that they're leading.
0: Absolutely. It, yeah. It's neat. And sometimes, you know, you know forget. These things when you like most people do this time of year you reflect on your career and your and your life and and what do you want new year you know we always were thinking well, you know the old the old year and the new year but making that impact I, I think and part of it is growing up I, I thought I was going to be an educator um, my mother and grandmother who had a lot of influence on me were and I I think what's neat about this career that I, I i guess now is a career after 25 years right you really making that impact on people and knowing that there's some common values and associating yourself with great people and surrounding yourself with great people that's what it's about it's so neat to see where folks have grown in their career that I started you know out like today having that lunch or breakfast excuse me with uh, a leader and I mean just to see his growth um, knowing him as a b2b candidate looking to break in the industry 20 years ago it's good stuff and uh, and, I, and I guess, you know, it, it's something where if you really love what you do, you'll be successful at it, right? This is a football thing, but it's what effort plus commitment equals success. That may be a thing that I remember just getting beating my head in football days, but effort and commitment, you know. You told
1: some great football stories in our first podcast
0: <laughs> uh, episode.
1: Yeah. The yeah. change of positions and, and all of that. One thing I remember when I was in recruiting space years ago, and I was in it for a while. But I still remember the sense of responsibility that I felt towards both the client and the candidate, right? Like there's that sense of responsibility and then having the ability to align those two and realize you're being, you're being authentic to both. That's a little bit of magic that you have to do. And I don't mean magic in a bad word. I mean, magic in a special way. Like that's something that's very, very
0: significant. How is it that you do that? Wow. These are deep questions, Ed. I know. I know <laughs> they are. That's what <laughs> happened on a Tuesday morning. Well, I'll tell you when you get in recruiting like us. I think the thing when you start out as a young, you know, recruiter in the industry, you know that your client paid, meaning the client company that has the opening pays you a fee to find a great candidate. Candidates don't pay us, you know, money to help them. Back in the old days, I think there were firms set up where the candidate paid money and they said, "Hey, we'll pay you 100 percent," all that. But we really are, are client driven. But I'll tell you what, it's so important as a recruiter, that you've got to put yourself in that candidate's shoes, how would you want to be treated? Uh, So I think the candidate experience is number one. And that's a lot of what we hear from clients. What they're looking for is a great candidate experience. Because guess what? If they don't have a good experience with the recruiting group or team like BEC, then that's a reflection on that company that we're working for, whether it's Pinogi, Lampius or whoever. It's so important to have that um, credibility with both sides. You know, you've got to be authentic. I just always think of myself putting myself in a candidate shoes. How would I want to be treated? Also, thinking about the hiring manager. You know, what's important to them, and working working together. You know, being really that agent in the middle uh, to make sure if this if this candidate has is, is been truthful all the way through the process and has told me everything and in, in their excitement about the opportunity. I'm going to help them give them some tips and pointers here and there. I don't want to create a false facade. I don't want to you know over prep them and Give them the the uh, the playbook, but I think it's important to kind of give them perspective, knowing the candidate and it's great when you have a deep relationship with a client, in knowing the client really well and having that experience with them. you could say, "Hey, this is what I know about this person, this is a personality, this is what you probably want to ping them on, or maybe some hot buttons that they they have to so we have to play that balancing act between both parties but i I think the you know the the magic in that i I don't know I think it's just uh just understanding people and, and really trying to do the right thing by people too. I've always done that. Amazing you know, how right things
1: thing. seem to work out when you focus on doing the right thing for the right
0: reason, doing the right thing <laughs> for the right reasons. Yeah. The golden rule, it's, you know, what you're raised about, you know, or, or you know, your parents and doing the right thing for others. And it it all come back. And I even said this today at this breakfast meeting today, I said to this leader, I said, look, if I can't place you directly because I don't have an opening at, you know, VP level, I'll tell you what I'm going to connect you with great people that I think could get you to the next role, and that's, that's what we're about, and I think BC, for me, you know the philosophy, Teds philosophy, Stevie Knox, you know the president, and, and others below, it's, it's all about doing the right thing for the client company, but also the candidate. And there was a, a post the other day on LinkedIn that someone had put out there, and it, it talked about, basically, in a sense, not ghosting a candidate after they go through an interview process. And I made a comment, I said, absolutely, you, ha- you have to follow up with candidates, even if they don't get the job, because guess what? They're going to probably be a candidate on something else down the line. Also, put yourself in their shoes. If you're going for an opportunity, and you-, you don't hear back from the recruiter, that's good. Uh, there are some recruiters that-, that probably do that, you know, or say they don't have the time to follow up. I think you, you just have to follow up, and it's important. Let me ask you this,
1: if I may. This is going to be gold for some of you folks out there that are thinking about leaving a position, whether it's your first time changing jobs, your second time, your fourth time. But it's something that I have noticed with all the work that I've done You know, over hundreds, I mean, hundreds of coaching clients. Sometimes people don't understand the power of their story. Meaning, why are you leaving? What is it you're after? And how does that connect to your purpose and your why? And what is your story? Where have you been? What's the adversity that you've grown through? What is the success that you had to handle? And you handled it humbly and attached it right to your values. Like, how did you do that? So when you ask a candidate, why are you leaving? How significant is the story that follows the story that they tell you?
0: Very significant. It's very significant. It's interesting. I had this talk with one of our junior recruiters here that, you always want to believe their story, but there may be more in the, in the story. Yep. So the story part is important. We we call it un, unpeel the onion layers to figure out really what is the story. But I, you know, knowing where somebody's coming from, it, it's so important. And, and I think uh, not only in what we do in recruiting, but just people. I mean, you you want to figure out do you have a commonality. My wife's too much for chagrin. I, I'll talk to anybody. I could be on an airplane in a seat next to me, and I'll talk, I'll be that talking that person or, you know, holding the door for somebody and, you know, just having a conversation real quick. I love to know about people and I want to figure out their story and what makes them tick. Do they have commonality to me? You know, did they grow up in a, an environment where they played a sport? If that's part where we can make that connection, if it's, you know, maybe they're in the band, but there's something there that we can draw up on. And, but in, in recruitment, it's really important because then I have to present that candidate story to get their foot in the door, to open the door for the client. And it's still important.
1: Here's why I asked that. And I think, I don't know if I shared this in our last podcast, but I do believe this has come up in a conversation. But I'll never forget it when I was in the recruiting space as VP of operations and I was filling uh, an opening for Mitsubishi, a huge role. It was for Louisiana, which was very hard to find people. Okay, It was for a field service engineer, very hard to find people. And you're on the road a lot, but when you weren't on the road, you were at home. So I had, I mean, I had the rock star. I had the ideal candidate, former military, obviously, incredible human being, big bump in pay, company vehicle. There was no reason for him not to take it. I said, let's make up a name here. Let's say uh, Kirk. Okay. I said, Kirk, I don't understand. I said, everything, like most of the boxes check. And obviously, there's one box that's not checking. Is there something that I'm missing? He goes, Ed, well, there's more to the story. He goes, when I grew up, my father was a traveling salesman and he worked from home. And every time, I walked into his office at home. He would kick me out and never have time for me. He goes, I've always loathed the concept of having a home office and turning into my father. And he goes, I love him dearly, but there is that one piece of my life that I just can't shake. I can't take a job where I'm going to be on the road for a week and then back in a home office for for three weeks at a time He goes, I can't do that. There's, There's no guarantee I won't be better at parenting than my father. I still get goosebumps when I tell that story. Wow. To me, yeah. that's, you know, that's what leads me, to, say, and that's why I think it's so significant to really know. And when I say story, I don't mean fiction, right? Like I'm talking about what is the real situation. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating because everybody truly does have a story that there's an emotional attachment to. And I think it's really cool. But What about on the other side, like in terms of when your clients tell you, these are the type of positions that are open, but these are the type of candidates that we are looking for. What are the commonalities? What are the intangibles? What are the values? What type of teammates are you looking for? Things of that nature.
0: Well, a lot of, a lot of our projects lately have been leadership and then you know, first-line leadership to uh, first-line rep out in the field. And again, it's sales. A lot of these have been in sales roles. We work in market access. We work in medical affairs, MSL placements too. But you know, recently, if I think of some of the examples there, you know, a lot of the commonality is having that track record of success. Number one, have they been a performer? Where they've been? Have they, you know, had a rookie of the year? Have they been a presence club winner? You know, have they gone on the trips? And then also sometimes it comes down to experience, exposure. If it's high level role in sales, do they, you know, do they have the the KLO understanding? You know, for example, Lanthus prostate cancer, have they called on urologists, uro urology oncology? Do they have nuclear medicine experience? So. Some of that's really important, but commonality across the board, I think, is the track record of success, the experience. Always, it, it helps, I think, in life sciences, understanding those customers that they already have that, what we used to call Rolodex head, which you can't even say that anymore. I think it's uh, in your iPhone, right? In your your contact yeah. list, you know, that does open the door. I like doors. the Rolodex better, though, right? You I mean, see Rolodex the name? just rolls off your, your tongue, you yeah. know, and it's you see uh, remember the card. It's like, yeah. Yeah. The visual, right? It's funny. There are people who still have a Rolodex. I know they're out there.
1: Total side note, and we'll get right back into this. (laughs) Last night at uh, our sixth grade girls basketball practice, I told one of our girls whose shot was flat. Her release was flat. Follow through. And I told her, I said, hey, just shoot. I go, follow through like you're shooting out of a phone booth. She looked at me with like I had 10 holes in my head. I said, don't (laughs) tell What's a phone booth? I don't know what a phone booth is. (laughs) She goes, no. I go, you know, Superman. She goes, who's Superman? I go, oh, good Lord. Yeah. So it's changing, like, but anyways we're in trouble. But, yeah. <laughs> I bet well, back you to the, back, to so. back to okay. the Rolodex and back to the to the criminalities, though. But they have a network, right? They've spent time mm-hmm. connecting with people and, and valuing those people. What are some of the other commonalities?
0: Yeah, I, I think the network, the the value, you know, the, then it comes down to the the you know, the things that you you really touch upon. Um the values. Do they have the same values? Are they are they looking, you know, um not looking, but, you know, that cultural value of that company, um, the mission, you know, patient-centric, and that's important too in, in in sales in our world. A lot of these companies want someone that can understand, put themselves in the, and be an advocate for a patient, you know, the patient advocacy and understanding that disease state, that you're really helping people. So I think that's a, um, whether it's prostate cancer, whether it's a neuromuscular rare disease, like Mark Hyder's box group, that's a commonality. Does that make sense? It
1: makes absolute sense. As we start to wrap up the podcast episode, which I can't believe time has you know, flown by like this, I had the dubious honor and privilege of moderating an incredible panel discussion in the Leadership Summit. I'm in Columbus with Ted and yourself and Suzanne Monaghan and Mark and someone we failed to m- mention yet, Jason Bay. You know, yeah, Jason, Jason, one of, our, Bay one of was- our good friends, a former client, or client of ours. Jason was on episode 39 and 76, unbelievable episodes. But what a day that was. And as we sat there, I sort of just, I would ask the question and take a step back. And what was really cool was to see people's eyes light up as they were watching the other person and they're, you know, they're sharing stories and they're all of a sudden it dawned on me, this is greatness in the room. Like these are leaders that make a significant impact on a great number of people and enjoy doing it. And I've talked to all three of them and Ted and you as well at various times when it hasn't been pretty, it's been ugly and it's been a grind and you've been in the trenches, but that that purpose never goes away. That that passion, that that flame never, never burns out. What is it about the work that you guys do that attracts leaders like Suzanne and Matt and Jason and Amanda Morgan and and so many others?
0: Wow. That's a you know that's a one of those questions you kind of have to to really think and reflect on. I you know I I think the way that these folks, you know, and and you, you get a feel of each of them as leaders and you, you work with them and you go, my gosh, I want to put these great people together. You know, I think if we can do a, a, you know, a summit meeting like this, have them share it, which will help others. I mean, that was part of what we wanted to do with this. I I think you, and and thank you for coming in and really moderating it and being the MC and, and getting that uh, that to go because it was great to have you. And I think getting these folks together, you just see the energy, you see the passion in what they do. They they love what they do. They love being a leader. Um, all of them are a little bit different too. You know, there's, there's some commonalities, but, you know, I, I think if I remember back, even Mark would say I'm more, you know, I'm more of a analytical and I think an analytical thinker. You know, Suzanne is definitely analytical, um, very thoughtful of others. Uh, what she's thinking, you know, Jason Bay. I mean, that was probably the first time I got a chance to really hang out with him and, and get him to see his see him in action, which was fantastic, and seeing how he rose to be a leader. I think I first talked to Jason when he worked for Genentech years ago, and he developed that that really great bond with Kirsten Siegel, who do, you know, they do a lot of recruiting together, and uh, I know I've worked on a project recently, um, so. Yeah, going to your question, I I think it's just, um, I don't know. I don't know what that secret sauce is, but boy, you just see it. You get people together and you're like, we want to put these leaders together because we knew this is going to be dynamic and they are dynamic individuals in their own right. Well, as you all are.
1: And I I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you so much coming on. If folks want to know more about Buckman Enoch and Koss BEC search, where can they find more? Where can they find you on social? What's the website?
0: Yeah, great, great question. So, uh, you know, www.bcsearch.com is our website. Uh, my LinkedIn profile is out there, uh, John Denny, J-O-N-D-E-N-N-Y. You know, they can reach out, connect. Uh, social media, we're, we're out there on Instagram. I think, you know, Facebook, B-E-C, uh, or Buckman Enox Koss and Associates. Uh, you can find us there too. I think Twitter as well.
1: Wonderful. Now, I've saved the last question. I carved out a little bit of time for us to talk about Something completely irrelevant in the recruiting space. Okay, not to timestamp this podcast episode. How does a Buckeye fan like you view the debacle that we call a college playoff, football playoff, right now with these four teams that that we have in? And I say yeah. debacle; it's just a mess. I mean, I think when it expands, it'd be great. But how do you feel about Michigan being the number one team in the country?
0: Oh, it's hard. It's hard right now. First yeah, of all, hold I, on.
1: I need to know we're still friends since I asked that question, right? We're still, we're okay.
0: still friends. We're still okay, friends. Okay, good. But yeah. I need
1: to know, like, it's such an odd thing. You spend the entire season under the microscope, blatantly cheated, blatantly lied. Now, I'm not saying it's a huge violation. I'm not saying that the majority yeah. of programs aren't doing it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not knocking Michigan. But and now here you are somehow. Like, here is Verbal in the Michigan Wolverines, ranked number one in the country, going into the playoffs. What are
0: your thoughts on that? Oh, my goodness. Well. First of all, I, I agree. With you. I mean, and I, I'm a kid that grew up in Toledo, so half of my family are Wolverine fans, and I'm hearing it right now, right? I'm hearing all right, this which stuff. Which is why I love this perspective. And, and I think I may have mentioned this before. So growing up on Friday before the big game, we literally would dress up in your colors. You wear you know, amazing blue if you're a Michigan fan, and, and Buckeye scarlet and gray if you're uh, a, a Buckeye fan. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Gerosi, who has since passed, was a good friend of my grandmother. Uh, she was a Buckeye. So if you wore Michigan stuff, you're going to get razzed by her. But growing up, it was it was very much a, a big deal up, up north because we were 40 minutes away from Ann Arbor. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh, the one thing I don't like is that obviously he knew it was going on. But to say you don't know what's going on, I just think that's the wrong thing. There's a lot of speculation that Buckeyes, Ryan Day and everybody in this. I don't think it was actually the Buckeyes. I, I don't know where it started where they figured out they were sign stealing, but there was a body of evidence, right, that they, they found.
1: The dude standing on the sidelines of Central Michigan in Central right. Michigan gear, snapping a video of the play caller from six feet away. I mean, whether it was Ohio State or not, I mean, yeah. come on.
0: It's wrong. It's be like playing golf. You know, you, you kick the ball out of a hazard or something, and you, somebody catches you, and you're that you did it. I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. That's my perspective on on Harbaugh. It's just like I think he's trying to be like Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler together. His look, his whole look and all that. But we'll see what the NCAA does. But I don't know if I don't know what will happen. So who do you, I, who who win do you the like? Championship. Who, do
1: you, who do you like winning the championship?
0: I think I might have to turn my attention towards Texas right now. Texas Longhorns. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Richardson, did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, Kyle Richardson. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You and Matthew Conagh.
1: Well, Washington, you can't sleep on them either. pac 12 for all the like
0: yeah. Issues they have
1: and the travesty that, you know, that breaking up, that was pretty good football this year.
0: Really good football. That game against Oregon was really good. It was a good game. Yeah. Hey,
1: John, we could talk for hours about football. I, I appreciate you so much. Uh it's you been got it, man. Incredible getting to know each other and spending time yeah. together. I look forward to so many, so many more things and and obviously anything we can do here on the Athletics of Business Podcast for you at the Molitor Group, please. Please do not hesitate to ask. I look forward to, to seeing you soon. We got to get you to Chicago.
0: Oh, you will do it. We'll do it. And we can celebrate the 25 years in January, maybe. might be a little cold, though. We'll do it in um, style. Okay, awesome. Uh, and I'm going to connect you with those people. So we'll do that as well. All right?
1: John, thank you so much for, for joining us again. I appreciate you, my friend.
0: All right, Ed. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, Visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.